You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. and welcome to National Treasures. The podcast where we take you, the listener, on a day out via your ears. That's correct. We're inviting you to join us at castles, stately homes, museums, all over the place for what basically boils down as a series of unofficial audio tours narrated by two idiots. Yeah, and it's perfect for right now because nobody can go outside. Uh, In today's (laughs) episode, we're going to be going to Leicester to the Richard III Museum. Yes, and as ever, we make asses of ourselves with the facts. And we also meet a man who describes in detail how he'd mutilate Will. We did. I liked him more than other people who threatened violence upon me. Uh, The the great thing about this episode uh, is that it had a little bit of something for everyone. There was Tudor history for Laura. And digging for William. I love digging big time. I've got a trowel with a holster. Uh, Now, before we get into it, we thought it'd be best to give you a quick historical primer. So buckle in and get ready. Yes, because this period of history is insane. You start, Will. Okay. The Richard III Museum was open to celebrate the discovery of Richard III's remains in a car park in Leicester in 2012. And they'd been missing since Richard was killed at the Battle of Bosworth in 1485. The Battle of Bosworth was the final battle in the Wars of the Roses, which were a series of civil wars that took place between 1455 and 1485, between the houses of York and Lancaster. Both of the houses could claim heirs to the throne through King Edward III, but the Yorks hadn't until King Henry VI started to mess things up. So it's 1453. Henry VI is king, but the people are not happy. His wife, Queen Margaret of Anjou, they think she's got too much power and there are a lot of questions floating around about Henry VI's sanity. So Richard of York, this is Richard III's dad, he's declared Lord Protector and takes over for a bit. By 1455, Henry VI is feeling better. He regains power and is ready for the Battle of St Albans, which marks the start of the Wars of the Roses. Mm. And after a lot of fighting, the Yorkists are beaten in 1459. But not for long. Not for long at all. One year, in fact. Because, <laughs> yeah, just one year. Because they regroup in 1460 and beat the Lancastrians. But they do not take the throne. Instead, they agree to take the throne after Henry VI dies, which disinherits Henry's son, 
Edward. But Margaret of Anjou is not happy with this and she pokes Henry, her husband, in the side and says, you've got to go back to war, mate. We're not having this. Which is a terrible idea because (laughs) they get beaten by Edward. Not their son, Edward. A different Edward. This Edward, who is the son of Richard of York. Oh, you can see why kids give up with this at school. Why have they all got the same name? Because there were only four names until 1920. (laughs) Right, Okay. so a different Edward fights them. Then what happens? So he wins and is declared King Edward IV. Yes. Now, Edward IV is now in power, the Yorkists are in power, and things settle down for a while. Behind the scenes, you've got the Earl of Warwick, also known as the Kingmaker, pulling strings, getting the kingdom back in shape and sorting out the mess that Henry VI left behind. But Edward IV is actually a little bit annoyed by the Earl of Warwick running the show, and by 1469, even those two are fighting. It gets so bad that at one point, the Earl of Warwick even has Edward IV as his prisoner. But by 1470, Edward IV is not a prisoner anymore. He's taken back control of the country and Warwick is legging it to France. You thought Brexit was complicated. That is, until Warwick and Margaret of Anjou team up. Now remember, they were enemies until about five minutes ago. Anyway, they collude and manage to pop Henry VI back on the throne. And that lasts all of about five minutes, because in 1471, Edward IV defeats Warwick, he dies in the battle, and we're back with Edward IV on the throne. This time he just kills Henry VI. He is done with his two in and throwing, Henry VI dead, end of discussion. And this is where Richard III enters. He is Edward IV's brother. Now, at the moment, he is not King Richard, he's just Richard except that Edward IV dies. And his heir, Edward V, is too young to take the throne, so Richard becomes Lord Protector. And that is until Edward V and his brother sort of disappear (laughs) and Richard becomes king. King Richard III, to be precise. Mm, How convenient. Now, this disappearance (laughs) alienates a fair few Yorkists who turn to Henry Tudor and sort of suggest maybe you might like to be king because he could claim a right to the throne on his mother's side. So, up he gets, up on his horse, he rides to Bosworth, pops Richard in a car park, married Edward IV's daughter Elizabeth and becomes King Henry VII. Bam, there's your point in history. Delicious. But Starkey is shitting himself. I'll be honest, Laura, I can I can literally hear people typing angry tweets to us already. <laughs> well, quick, let's go back in time then to our visit to the Richard III Museum and have a lovely day. Welcome to the National Treasures podcast. Hello, good morning, or indeed afternoon. If it's afternoon for you now. Whenever you're listening. Could be the middle of the night. I'm Laura Lex. I'm here with my co-host and best friend, Will Duggan. That's me, Will Duggan. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing, Will Duggan? I'm really good. How are you, Laura? Do you want some tea? Um, yes, please. A little... Oh, you just poured it straight <laughs> into the saucer. Um, where are we today, Will Duggan? Today, we are at the King Richard III Visitor Centre in Leicester. Was there a fourth? Was there... Has there been a Richard since this? I don't Richard? think so, because he didn't have a good legacy, did he? No. And um, it's kind of like, you know, um, uh, George V, his name was Albert, wasn't it, really? George V? George VI. George VI, his name was Albert. But they all called him George because it's like Albert had German connotations and World War II, yada, yada, ah. yada. So I don't think... They sort of retire... Do you know that they can... Um, 
they change their names loads, kings. Yeah. So Prince, King, or Prince Charles. They're like popes. Yeah, but Prince Charles won't be. No. Charles III. Because Charles I executed Charles II, a bit of playboy. So he doesn't want to be the third one? Doesn't want to be, doesn't want to be. I'd, I'd go for it and just be the, the first. No, 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 thank you. No milk? Um, well, I nearly wow. put milk in my tea there. And no, with Earl Grey, I don't like milk. Um, uh, I'd be the one that changed the game. like, And then you you'd hope. be a good trivia question, wouldn't you? Who was the first good Charles King? Good first Charles King. <laughs> good first King Charles. Do you write often for Trivial Pursuit? <laughs> Always good first Charlie boy, thank you. So, Richard III, what do you know of him, Laura? I know quite a lot about him, actually. Okay, why? Um, because, because you love The War of the Roses. I love The Wars of the Roses. I love medieval history. So, I've read... I find the best way for me to learn history stuff is fiction books about the subject. Okay, yeah, yeah, So yeah. I've read a couple of good series. Um, I think the Con Igledon ones about the Wars of the Roses is very good. Um, I've read a Philippa Gregory one called The White Queen, which is all about Elizabeth Woodville. And I also really like the Kingmaker series. Um, I can't remember who that's by. I think someone called Toby. And Toby who, Clements? Who is the Kingmaker? The Earl of Warwick. The Earl of Warwick, very nice. Yeah, and I'm a bit in love with the Earl of Warwick. I think he was very cool. So, I'm sort of, this is sort of me showing you around this one. Yeah. But my interest in it isn't to do with You like really, the car park bit. I like the car park bit. So I, I probably mentioned before, depending on what order you're listening to, indeed how you've been released, uh, I did a degree in archaeology. So I like the, uh, the genome project to figure out where Richard was. Aren't all genomes genomes, though? Sorry? Like, you'd never have a gnome that was just about N-O-M-E. No, you're right, yeah, you're right. Like you've, uh, you've oh, he hated that. <laughs> he really hated that. He can't make eye contact I'll tell you me. why I hated that. Because <laughs> I thought you were going to give me some really interesting information. <laughs> I don't know what a I genome is. I didn't know about something I loved. What's like, a genome? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like your DNA fingerprint, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's like your DNA fingerprint. Right. So, if I'm wrong, let us know. Oh, don't. Let, let him know. I'm not pretending to be clever. Let us know on our joint Twitter <laughs> account. Um, so when they've dug him up yeah. in the car park, because it was only a few years ago, wasn't it? 2012. Yeah. Was that like a Which big time day for you? recording is eight years ago. Well, it was just fascinating because it's like... I'm by no such imagination like a royalist, but I like history. And it's, you know, it's the last uh, English king to die in battle. It's the end of the Plantagenets. And that was at the Tudor. He died... Before Tudor, so... Yeah, but wasn't he in battle with the guy that went Henry on to be Henry VII. the Sixth? Henry the Seventh when he yeah. died. And I get all the numbers modelled up. I'm bad with the numbers. That's what annoys me when they think you've learned about this. It's like, I completely understand what happened, but I can't remember what the numbers yeah, of anybody you know, that's was. that's how I feel about Vinday. <laughs> I know it's a Thursday, and the night colours going out. Would you have liked to been there to find something like that. Do you still have a bit of a boner for bones? No, I don't have a boner for bones. Uh, and I also have been on a dig that found something. Oh, what did you find? I was part of the archaeological dig in, I want to say 2007, because it was, um, that proved that Neolithic man was not nomadic and lived in permanent structured houses. We, I was in the dig that found... How do you prove that from so, digging? Uh, it's, you know, like I said when we went on Beeston Castle, it's all the inference oh, to yeah. prove when we got, you can pigs were this day because of the cavities. Yeah. We found evidence of, so obviously the houses would have been wood, so they're not there, but you can see in the ground evidence of foundation and half pits and... Re but how do you know they weren't like permanent structures that people moved around in, like timeshares? 
Um, well, I don't. I don't know that. Um, and just I just disproved your theory there. Well, so you've disproved it because you have just claimed <laughs> that Neolithic man had, had time shares. Yeah. Three weeks at Stonehenge. Couple of weeks in Orkney. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm excited about this. So we're gonna we're gonna go around the exhibition. We're gonna check our knowledge of history. We're gonna go and look at the dig site. But the bones aren't there anymore. I don't. Is it just the hole? No, now? they've reburied him, haven't they? But you can see. Well, we'll find out. Where have they put him? They buried him. I think he's a king. Where? In Westminster Abbey. I don't know. I'm sure somewhere royal. He was a little murdering king, though. He was a no, sly king. He has been really. No, but he history. did kill his nephews to get the crown. There's no evidence of that. Well, well, what, there's a lack of nephews, though, aren't there? And who stood to gain? It was the 1400s. People died all the time. Yeah, and people knew where they'd gone, though. Also, they didn't just vanish and the king went, oh, look over there, I've got a crown. If we're going to start having a go at medieval kings... <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying everyone was great, but I feel like child murdering and then just pretending, oh, they must have wandered off, is quite a shitty way to get the crown. What have people online had to say about uh, old Dicky Three? Five. Five stars. Richard III, at last, recognised as a king. As our grandson has been at uni in Leicester for the past four years, it has given me the opportunity to visit this informative visitor centre several times. As a champion of Richard III, which I thought was a weird choice of words, I was pleased to see all the information gathered and displayed by him and his short reign. All right, so this guy is a big nerd for Richard III, and he's into it. Yeah. Okay. Of Richard the Nerd. Hey. Delicious. One three star by, I think, I'm confident in saying this, the thickest person in the world. <laughs> oh, well. Three stars. Who wants to see a hole in the ground? Holes spelled incorrectly. Oh, how have they spelled hole? Like w H O L E. Maybe the whole being in the ground. No, no, no. Who wants to see a hole in the ground? Four exclamation marks. Really disappointed with the place. Overhyped. More about how his bones were dug up than the history of the man. What? That's not true. Glass floor over a hole in the ground. Wow. Really exciting. Open brackets. Block capitals. Not. Close brackets. <laughs> but what were they expecting? I don't know. They're the thickest person in the world. <laughs> but they've still given it three stars. Yeah. I mean, how disappointed would they have to be in a place to give it one star? Uh really enjoyed Centre Park till my mother was murdered. Two stars. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've done that. I've not given their name. I kind of wish I could. No, be nice. What do you be nice? They've said not in brackets. <laughs> Unless it's Borat, that's wrong. <laughs> it might be somebody really young. Maybe that's like an 11-year-old. So there we go. So we are expecting that we disagree with most of the negative things yeah. in these. Okay, I'm excited about this one. Let's go and see what we see. You've got the Lancastrians, yeah, so Lancastrians were with Henry VI. He's the guy that's a bit weak and feeble, and his wife is very cool. According She's to you, French. Mary... Yeah, Margaret of Anjou, there you go. Yeah, Mary Margaret. Not Margaret Beaufort, she must be somebody else. Anyway, Margaret of Anjou, she was wicked, um, and she was really good at getting troops moving to protect Just quickly, protect Margaret of Anjou's wicked, is she? Yeah. And Henry the, uh, Richard III is terrible for letting two little boys die? Yeah. Well, guess this out, Margaret of Anjou was little in mercy. She allowed her seven-year-old son, Edward of Westminster, the Prince of Wales, to choose the method of execution. 
So she's being nice to children. And oh, yeah, that's a lot of love. That's modern parenting, that is. How many modern parents now are you like, which would you like, Annabelle and Nicholas? Would you like the cake or would you like the brownie? And she's like, would you like kids? Decapitation or disembowelment, Nicholas. Exactly. That's much nicer than murdering someone and burying them in a staircase. What would you rather do, choose someone's death or be murdered? Depends on the day, I suppose. Oh, shut <laughs> up. You wouldn't choose to die. Here we go. Now we're up to murdered faces yeah, in the Yeah, good tower. luck, because I've just read it. Right, so everybody was dead. Everybody's had a very sad time. I've been right about all the history we've talked about. Apart from the people involved. Yeah. Then Edward II and Mary of Beaufort. <laughs> Hell are they? I can't remember names, but I know who I mean. <laughs> um, the York King, so Edward IV, he's died now. So he is the uh, king... The father of the princes in the tower. Yes. So when he dies, the youngest one, Edward V, 12 years old, not old enough to be king, he's a Lord Protector. Enter Richard III. Yeah. But not at the time, Richard, Duke of Gloucester. Yeah. Carry on. And he is very angry because he hates their mum. Doesn't say that on this screen. <laughs> it just says, was named protector of the realm despite the influence of the widow queen's family, the Woodvilles. Now, granted, fearing intervention, but no hatred's been mentioned, he sent them to live, not being imprisoned in, the Tower of London. Uh, what is the Tower of London? A big prison. Thank you. Hang on, there's just a couple of more paragraphs here. Should we read them? Yeah, sure. So, having secured the two princes really aggressively and meanly... Editor's note. And real note. B editor's bloody note. The Bishop of Stillington... No, I can't read. The Bishop of Bath, Bath and Wells, Wells, named Stillington. <laughs> Lovely area of the world. He starts slagging off the marriage that Edward IV had to Elizabeth Woodville. And it's all like, it's not legal, this, they're illegitimate. The, the bias of your language is insane. You've read a sentence that the, that the bishop alleged that the marriage had been illegal and you've turned that into started slagging it off. Because that's what it was. It was, fi what, it was fine the whole time they were married and he was alive and he didn't want to rock the boat, but then as soon as they're dead and there's a way for some grubby old power, suddenly everything's illegal. Right, so... Ridiculous. He says that uh, Edward V can't be king because he's an illegitimate son. Parliament agreed. Yeah, they're then, idiots too. And enacted... The titulus regis. That's right, titulus. <laughs> Which named Richard the Richard Duke of Gloucester King Richard the Third. Come fucking venient. Soon after, the two princes of tower vanish without a trace. Mm. Wait to Laura's argument. However, during building works underneath one of the tower's staircases in 1674, the skeletons of two children were found, leading many historians to conclude the boys had been killed. Well, Laurie seemed to have won. But what is at the bottom? The remains have never been authenticated and the prince's true fate remains a mystery. What do you think happened to them, though? If there wasn't their bodies under the I stairs, do you think that they just went to live at Disneyland? But we are in a... Do you think they had a great time? We are in a museum. Hello, you illegitimate <laughs> bastards. <laughs> you come up. and live in this wonderful farm. Shut up. Yeah, the princes were sent to live on a farm, like your dog. <laughs> Battles were amazing in the, this war. So the St Albans was the first battle. Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool. And then there was there's some really cool ones. Like some mad stuff happened in these battles. Which one was the one with the suns happening then? That was a good one. Laura's. Uh, so we're now sort of. I'll explain the layout of the rooms. In the middle is like it's a house of cards um, with like all the main players. It's a visual metaphor for how flimsy power is. And then on one side is like a timeline of the key players. On the other wall is a timeline featuring when battles were, who got married, who was born, who died. And the wall we're currently looking at is a description of all the battles. Uh, and there's little glyphs of who won. White for York, 
red for Lancaster. Uh, and then actual examples of the weapons. We've got a, a two-handed longsword, which I think is about four foot tall. I mean, it's definitely, that's, that's two-handed, that, no way. Oh, it's called a two-handed longsword. Shh, read it, Will. A halberd. I know a guy called Chris Halberd. Uh, if you're listening, Chris, I've seen a halberd. Oh, hi, Laura. Have you found your information? Hi. Oh, yeah, here we go. So the Battle of Mortimer's Cross, which was one of the earlier ones, that's uh, the sixth battle, it looks like, um, at the dawn of this first battle, the meteorological phenomenon known as Parhelion, or Sun Dog, appeared, which gives the effect of three suns rising instead of one. This was taken by Edward and his men as a sign of blessing from the Holy Trinity. Wonderful. But you'd have lost your mind, Yeah, you'd you? have gone mad. I'd go mad now. Like, do you remember a couple of years ago? So, at the time, I was quite deeply psychologically unwell and very scared about the apocalypse. Yeah, getting there. And, um, and do you remember there was that terrible thing where the sand got whipped up and the whole the sky, sky went yellow. orange. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I was like in the middle of therapy on an antidepressants trying to deal with this fear of the apocalypse that I had that was like really ruining my life. And I'm driving down the A23 home and the whole sky and just like yellow. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm yeah. going to die here in my car. Imagine how much you'd have flipped yeah. out back then. I think that so much. Like, my standard of living is better than every single person named in this room, and six of the pricks were kings. Yeah. Like, it's, not, it's like, if I could show, pick, pick one, Edward IV, if I could show him my alarm clock, he'd have a stroke. <laughs> yeah. Where are these spirits that live within? <laughs> Um, Edward IV was really tall. Was he? Yeah, I think so. I think he was like six foot three, which was really tall for the time. OK, so now we're in a cool room. This is the throne room. And um, I think it's going to have, like, an interactive video, which is going to annoy Will, so we probably Not can't stay Will, here. Not annoy Will, it's just the, the sound will interact. I'm having a lovely time here. Will doesn't like to be told things by videos. I also genuinely, and I am worried because we're going to be biased because we've been given a free ticket, that room we've just come out of... You hear it now. Some bloody woman. She's not even from the Tudor times. Um, it's one of the most interesting rooms I've ever been in in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it too. Yeah. It was good, wasn't it? Oh, here we go. Here's a right. touchscreen There's about a... the princes in the tower. Okay, so touchscreen. It says, "Were they murdered?" Touchscreen to start, which Laura has done. Yes. Okay. What happened? You decide. I've decided they were murdered. The disappearance of the princes in the tower is one of the great mysteries of English history. No, it isn't. They're dead. The princes were last seen in public. I'm going to take over because Laura is, like, she's leading the jury. <laughs> Frothing up the mouth. The princes were last seen in public during the summer of 1483. Rumours soon spread they'd been killed. Many theories have been suggested. But, importantly, Laura, no one knows the truth. Three rooms of the tower to collect the evidence, then decide. Let's go. Okay. Okay, Atmospheric, this noise. It is. It? I think a ship's just left harbour. <laughs> um, Did they die of natural causes? Life was precarious in the Middle Ages, and it was not at all unusual for children to die young and fall into a staircase of wet cement together and never be right, spoken of It definitely of wasn't again. wet cement. It's the 1400s, <laughs> Laura. I'm not saying they weren't murdered, but let's not throw in wet cement. Was there a cover-up of an unexplained death? Shall we press the thing that says... So it says the death of one or both princes would have been an embarrassment to Richard because he'd become the Lord Protector, sort of like a weird choice. Oh, OK. So well, why would you rather have rumours that you'd murdered them I don't than think that you'd let them choice. die carefully? I don't think he went, oh, the princes have gone. Maybe I killed them. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll keep exploring. Press I don't additional think we want evidence. To... evidence. Why can't I work this touchscreen? Um, OK. 
So I think um, next room. Next room. Okay, so we're leaving the bedchamber. Have I got like really clammy hands? Why can't You've got clammy hands. Ones? So we've oh, now got a picture. Oh, there's a man picture. hanging out a window. I'm going to get him. Were they secretly hidden away? Could the princesses have survived Richard's evil reign? Some writers, it doesn't say evil. It doesn't say evil. <laughs> some writers have suggested that the disgusting Richard doesn't say disgusting. smuggled the beautiful innocent doesn't say beautiful innocent out of the wicked tower. Doesn't say wicked during his gross little doesn't reign say gross little <laughs> to protect their perfect lives. Doesn't say perfect while also removing them as a force of opposition. Doesn't say force. Says focus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I actually couldn't read that one. Um, right, swipe. Do you think they were hidden away? Maybe. I haven't come in here being like, fuck him, he killed him. <laughs> I have, I hate him. It's nice, this museum, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't do. feel too stuffy and, like, pretentious. Ooh, okay. hang on, we've got some coats of arms over here. So, it's a um, lovely font. Bosworth is one of the most important pals in English history. Marks the end of the Middle Ages. That's interesting. Do you hear that? The what? Battle of Bosworth Field is said to mark the end of the Middle Ages. Oh. Didn't know that. That's good. That's fun. All right. That noise you can hear, by the way, is a, an entire wall video happening behind us that's mimicking an army getting ready to fight. Absolutely terrifying. Do you know, I had a dream once that I was in, like, a medieval... I discussed it earlier. You'd make a great pipeman. I wouldn't. I was... I, I mean, the dream, I wear myself. <laughs> yeah, they all did. I didn't wake up soiled. Did you, though? I don't think so. I think I was 15. Oh, we're at the shaky peak corner. Now, this is um, something that has done massive issues for the PR of Richard III. Which you are on a one-man mission to cure. Not a one-man mission, actually. I'm becoming part of a silent majority. <laughs> Not in... I've already remained. But the portrayal of the lovely Duke of Gloucester, the handsome Richard III, in the play Richard III. If you think a painting makes them look the best they could possibly be, and he's gopping in his paintings, imagine how ugly he was in real life. The portrayal of Richard III in this play does him in. Shakespeare puts into Richard's mouth an appeal for means of escape. But descriptions from the time of his death agree he fell fighting. God forbid I yield one step were his reported last words. Even Henry's core historian. So bear in mind, this is history written by the winners. They've just killed the man in a battle. The core historian wrote, King Richard alone was killed fighting manfully in the thickest press of his enemies. Now, I'm not saying he's a great guy. He's probably, like most of the Middle Ages, a bit of a prick. Do you think he murdered two little I don't boys? think he murdered them, no. But what did he say? My horse, my horse, my kingdom for a horse? But he didn't, probably. Definitely. Unless he wanted to fight a horse. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. He was having such a good fight and he had his bloodlust up and he was like, I'll fight a fucking <laughs> horse. He's looking around like, he's got a pike, I'll he's got a sword, a horse. that horse is unarmed, yeah. I'll bang it out. Here you lad, bring he's me horse. Nutting a horse. <laughs> right, so he's dead now, he's died and we've come round the corner and Henry VII is in charge of Richard's corpse. So he's taking it to Leicester. Well, we are. Where? That's us. His close supporter, William Catesby, was executed by Richard's naked body. OK, that's not respectful. Weirdly, they have capitalised naked body on this freeze. <laughs> Sexy. Was displayed at a church in Leicester for all men to wonder upon. Well, I mean, how big was it? <laughs> oh, OK, so they did this to make sure that everybody knew he was dead, so nobody could argue and no conspiracy theories could jump up. 
Even in modern times, the dead bodies of slain leaders have been displayed for public gaze to prove they were dead. Stop. They have chosen two incredible people to choose there. <laughs> so bear in mind, we're in, I mean, it's one of the most always been in my life. It's all quite respectful and royal and middle ages. The two slain leaders they've chosen to describe are... Che Guevara and Colonel Gaddafi. There you go, a couple <laughs> of great guys. I suppose because, like, when Diana died, very sad, it's never been the same since, no one was like, maybe she's still alive, there's a claim to the throne. Whereas you had to know that these guys oh, were yeah, dead totally, to yeah. end the conversation. But, like, maybe give them a loincloth. Yeah, sure. That's interesting. They made an act of parliament when they wrote the, tr the uh, uh, rain down as ending the day before Bosworth Field, making him, at the time, fighting the legitimate king and therefore a treason. History's great, isn't it? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, so that has taken us from the Cousins' War up until the end of Bosworth Field. We're now in a little ante-room. Yeah, this bit doesn't feel right. This is very much just a connecting corridor. Isn't yeah, it? we're going upstairs. Upstairs to the King's Galleries. What's here? The King's... So it's a modern room um, with some bunting. And it's, I think it's something for children. It's a uh, pillory and stocks. Oh. Oh, okay, so hang on. When we arrived here, they gave us two bits of paper that said what our crimes were. <coughs> um, well, I'm going to give you this crime. Okay. Tell people what your crime is. Laura has claimed that I am a thief. You are. Okay, what have I stolen? Um, you've stolen a pig and the youth of a maiden. <laughs> 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 Can it just be two pigs? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is a pig, and you've wasted the youth of a maiden. And I am guilty of treason because I've accused the king of killing two little boys. Is it yours? And burying them in wet cement. Weirdly, it's petty treason, so it's not. Oh, not everything one. you do is petty. No, you're petty you, man. you're petty. Oh, I'm petty. Oh, yeah, I'm very petty. <laughs> so you're going. So you're. Um, 
according to the law of the time, mm-hmm. this youth of a maiden thing. Can we have a quick <laughs> chat about it? Yeah, so you um, dated a woman for years with no intention of proposing, and now she's too old to get another husband, and you've stolen her young years. Right, and what's my... Um... Um, you are a thief of time. You are going to have to nail the car. No, ear. <laughs> Nailing the ear. Oh. I'm going to have to nail through my ear. Oh, cool, like which, a piercing. Which I'm not allowed, so my mum wouldn't let me get <laughs> Right, you're going to get a nail in the ear. In the top or in the low? I don't know. I'll, I'll ask the guy and see what Hi! Hello. Oh, we found a guy. There's a guy. Very good costume. And what can I do with you? Um, well, I... What I've right. accused the king of murdering two little boys and burying them under a staircase. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, um... Actually, he was already dead at the time, and chances are, well, to be honest, it doesn't make any difference if he killed him or not. I'm not that that fussed whether he did or didn't. If he didn't, he would be nicer than most. If he did, he's a medieval king. That's just what he did. Right. That's why I said. Was that why I'm just up for petty treason rather than? Well, uh, well, petty treason. You see, that's um, you can be accused obviously of petty treason. We can't. Petty treason is a crime that a wife commits against her husband, so it's only girls that can get petty treason. Oh. So. Um, Petty treason is where you either uh, beat your husband or something like that. I, I did, wow, I, but only very gently. Well, it's still, still a crime. Remember. It's treason it's... to go against your husband. Yeah, because when you marry him, you love, honour and obey. Obey. Exactly. So you have to be very, very careful. I'm going to call your husband and let him know. This is, this is really upsetting. So sometimes what would happen, of course, that he only works one way. Because men can't be accused of petty treason because they're illegally allowed to beat their wife. Oh. Right up until the Victorian period. Oh. Um, so long as the stick that you beat your wife with was thinner than your thumb. That's not friendly. A rule of thumb. So what's my punishment for being a petty treasonous bitch? Well, if you if you beat beat your husband, then normally the punishment would be beating you as well with maybe flogging, for example. So pretty awful. I mean, flogging. Hey, some people like that. Well, not me. I know, yeah, some people play extra for that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is that a cat of nine tails? It is indeed. Um, so, knotted string, knotted leather, knotted rope. Um, used, obviously, as punishment in the army and the navy as well. Um, the most I think anyone survived is 500 lashes. It'd take most 500? of the skin off 500? Yeah. You'd go through to the bone, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh. All right, well, what about him? He's a thief. He's a thief. He stole a pig. Uh, right, OK, well, ah, what's the value of the pig, though? So... Is the, if you're accusing him of stealing the pig, is the value of the pig more or less than 144 pennies? Oh, it was, it was a trained pig. You don't and even more. know how much that is. You haven't asked for any inflation or nothing. <laughs> how much, yeah, OK, how much is 144 pennies so, in today's so, money? Um, in today's money, so it's, it's 12 shillings, so it's 60p. Oh, it's way more than that. Oh, it's way Adjusted more Adjusted for way inflation for 400 that's, years. That's back then. OK. So 12 shillings is a lot of money. So if we, if we look at that... Most people in the late 15th century, an ordinary person in the street is earning about a penny a day. So 144 pennies is a third of a year's wages. Yeah, over. this was a really yeah. expensive pig. Really expensive pig. Imported. In that case, um, we would just execute him. Great. <laughs> if, it's under, if it's under that, then um, there are different things we can do. Maybe, depending on what you stole, we engage in a bit of mutilation. So chopping off the arm or removing the top lift I or need, scalping. Or... I, I, I need these things. 
Okay, well, fair enough. So, you, so, if you can... so no, 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 thank you. <laughs> okay, right then. You can't so just say no. You shouldn't have stolen the pick. Would normally decide, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you the choice. What level of pain do you want? Small, medium, or large? Uh, large. Your, which part of I'll large? choose? <laughs> well, uh, so, so I think, I think the worst bit. Hang is, on, some big scissors so, are yeah, coming so towards snitch, us. Shears. Shears. Okay. These would go up the inside of your nose. Oh. And then we snip. <laughs> and that's that's the way it would go. What through the cartilage in the yeah, middle? Yeah. It's going to stink a bit, isn't it? The, the low level. So, pain. Was, was that high? Sorry. Yeah, that's the high. That was the high. Oh, great, great. So the lower level of pain is. So I've got a brand with a letter T on it. We burn that onto the side of your face. Half side of the face. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Everyone needs to see it. So branding's quite popular. You get M for manslaughter, S for slave. F for fray maker. What, 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 F for slave? Being yeah. a slave? Yeah, being a slave, yeah. Oh, yeah, because um, you can't run away. FA for false accuser. So if you're a false accuser and a thief, you, you get the word fat on the side of your face. You'll get an FA. For the, for the rest I'll of your life. I'm getting sweet FA. So that's, that's pretty vicious, but that's the lower end of the market, that is, I think. I imagine, though, I've had burns. That would hurt for a week. It, it would, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah but then I mean, you'd be scarred forever. The worst and... one, though, if you, if you come over here to the pillory, what they would do is they would get your ear, yeah, and then they would nail your ear to the edge of the piece of wood, and then to remove you, they grab hold of your body and just pull you, and you just rip your ah. ear off. If that happens, you are earmarked, which is where we get that phrase from. Ah. Nice. Basically, you carry your criminal record on your face, so everyone knows who and what you are. Right. Hmm. Thank you thank so much. Thank you so much. What was your name? Sorry, uh, Jed. 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 Thank you so much. Jed the Just. Jed, Jed the Just at the uh, Richard III. Terribly keen to shove shears at your nose, but, you know, <laughs> a laugh none the same. Thank you so much, That's mate. Right. Here we go. The Dig Diary. Right, now Finding we're the body. bit. OK, we've come to another interactive touchscreen. So, how the dig came about. Philippa Langley, absolutely instrumental. She began the Looking for Richard project. Without her, never would have found him. John Ashdown Hill. John inspired Philippa. He identified a surviving descendant. It was the haircut that did it. He was walking around and he saw someone with the right look and he was like, I bet that guy is the grandson of Richard. Can't deny him. Um, and then he took some DNA so that if they ever found a body... So you better hope that that was a descendant, because if it wasn't, then it's just another guy that... True. Anyway, then you've got Richard Buckley. Co-director of the University of Leicester Archaeological Services, led the archaeology team. And then you've got Sarah Levitt. Sarah manages Leicester's Arts and Museum Service. She was the main council officer who worked on the project. Well done, Saz. Look at this, here we go, the dig. So they're in the car park. So they found evidence that he was buried in... Grave Friars Friary. So they had to find evidence of where the friary would be. They'd find the friary. Then once they found the position of the buildings, they had to locate the church within the friary. This would have been done by, like, old maps and research and uh, radars into the ground, like a geophysical survey where you shoot... Oh, yeah, from Time Team. Yeah, you shoot surveys in and you get, like, what's under there. So to find the friary, find the church, then within the church, locate the choir. Then within the choir, look at it. So it's just like... OK, so they found where this fire was likely to be. Then they yep. did a load of fundraising. Yeah. And then, what, they get permission to dig it up? Yeah, and they had to do surveys and make sure nothing there. I suppose there were loads of bones there, were there? Probably. So, trench one goes in. The digging begins. 
on the 25th of August. Suddenly, the guy stops because he's found a human leg bone. Okay, so they stop the digging because electrical cables are in the way. Trench two begins, they find medieval walls in a corridor. Now they can know it's medieval walls because they can age the stone. Also building styles are quite similar. They get down, they find a corridor with two walls and a gap. They keep going down, boom, they go down and down and down. So, then they find, they get an exhumation license. That's mad that annex, like, obviously it's a person. Like there was a time when he was, even if he was a little hunchback and killed his nephews, a human being. Right, so here we go. This is quite exciting. This is a quote from one of the people doing it. Um, she says, you come back to the trench and by lunchtime, like, they've been digging up this body and it's not looking like it's going to be Richard. It's too tall to be him. The arms and legs have no wounds and they're like, ah, oh, crap, it's, it's a man quite tall but most likely to be a friar and it's not. And then when they get back, they've done a little bit more excavating and she's like, oh, my God, it's got a curved spine and battle wounds. This is quite likely to be him and then they like cover the remains in a little banner and take it out to the van and they find out that he is hunchback which they're surprised by so then they go to scientific analysis because obviously he's just bone mm. so, so this like curving of the spine because obviously he's known as a hunchback in the play yeah Would, is that like was it probably actually just something quite minor that nowadays you'd fix quite quickly like a scoliosis and probably yeah it? yeah the, the, the reports of the time say he was fighting. Mm. He probably wasn't even hunched back. No. But I suppose, like, you know when you don't like somebody, you yeah. caricature their defects. He may have had a little whatever. Yeah. Which Tudors and then Shakespeare will have gone on with. And then the Tudors kind of made him out to be a beastie after that. Right, so we're now going through to the grave site of Richard III. So is this where he's actually dug up? Yeah. This must be where he's actually dug up. That's it there, isn't it? This is cool. So we're now in this, like, little fancy garage and it's got um, glass floor, like, at the Spinnaker Tower in Portsmouth where you can look through to... A, a, re a reference we'll all get. <laughs> and, uh, and you can see where they dug him up. So these must be the medieval walls that they were telling us about. The tiles and the too short grave. The tomb's actually this part just here. So where there's the yellow peg marker at the top yeah. shows the top of the grave so you're looking at it like that so that was as he was found so where, where we stood now we're sort of looking at him his feet would be right below us and his head's extending out in front of us yeah the grave is only five foot three yeah and richard was five foot eight so he was squashed into it sorry to him <laughs> and then where the tiles are that you've just pointed out over in that corner, that's the level that the church floor was at the time. So it's not so that So he was far only two it. feet below the floor of the church. Shallow grave. That is disrespectful, isn't it? So who was likely to have put him there? Henry VII? Henry VII's officers. Right. Would have brought him here and handed, him to the, handed the body to the monks to bury him in that part. This particular part of the church was only accessible to the monks and the priests. So if anybody had wanted to come and pray at his grave or light a candle at his grave or make a pilgrimage or a shrine, they weren't allowed in here to be able to do that. It was a very quick, unceremonious burial, um, shallow grave, would he bury have, him and forget him. Would he have had a headstone, no. a marking, just an unmarked grave? Unmarked grave, no wow. coffin. No shroud, 
His body was literally as they'd stripped him on the battlefield and then straight into the... Hands tied together, it said, maybe yes. upstairs, yeah. And that was to stop people, like, rallying behind him in yes. an anti-Tudor kind of... OK. Did he have a wife or kids or anything? He had a wife and a son, both of whom had died previously uh, okay. prior to him. His son died at the age of around 11, um, and his wife had died earlier in 1485, so early in that in yeah. the year that he was killed. Crikey. See, a no, widower, a, a dead no, kid. No, fa no wife, no, no children, no sort of heirs in that sense. His heir would have been his nephew. His, his sister's son would have been the next right. heir. But they just stamped but, um, that out yes. and were like, no, it's going to the so, Tudors. Speaking of children, Princess in the Tower. Right. I reckon he didn't do it. I think he did it. We spoke to Jed upstairs, who was like, probably not, and if he did... Hey, he did not say probably he not. Did. He didn't. He, said, he just said if he had done it, it wouldn't have been that... It's a medieval king that, that they did that kind of thing. What do you reckon? Did, did he do it? From a personal viewpoint, I don't think he did. Thank you. I think he... He'd already made... He'd, they'd already been declared illegitimate. By, by Parliament. By Parliament. But he did Titulus that Regius. too. He did that too, yes. so that he could be king. But there were a lot of other people who had, who benefited from the prince's disappearance. Oh, okay. Um, Henry Tudor, not the least, because he didn't want those two princes to suddenly re-emerge and go, "Hello, I'm actually the heir to the throne," and start the whole cycle off again. Yeah. He had married their older sister. In order to marry her, he had had to make the, all her family legitimate again, which then made the two princes legitimate. So had they still been around, they would have been ah, legitimate. Okay. legitimate to the throne. Better claim than old Henry, perhaps. Uh, but he won it in battle rather than inheritance, it said, so yes. he wouldn't have had to he, worry too much about He won by conquest, that. but he was also claiming it by bloodline yeah. through his mother. By marrying the wife, they could have illegitimate family... Yeah, OK. A yes. double claim. And what do you think about, so yes. maybe Henry VII? I think it's a possibility it was Henry VII or somebody, somebody on his orders or perhaps even somebody who thought they were doing the right sure. thing that he would want. Margaret Beaufort, his mother, certainly had a motive yes. for him, but she also had means and opportunity because she was well, she was in and out of the tower on a regular basis at that time, and she had a lot of power. What about uh, Buckingham? Buckingham? Buckingham certainly had, because he was constable of the tower at the time. Well, well, well. He might have thought he was doing what Richard wanted, but equally so, he might have thought, well, I'll throw my lot in with Henry. Uh, so, Buckingham, in, uh, means, motive, opportunity. Yes. Henry VII, means, motive, opportunity. Richard III, why don't you think he did it? Why don't I think he did it? Because Loving this, I've gone biased. Oh, I don't you think, are such a little worm. I don't think... I mean, certainly he had the means and the opportunity because he was the king, he could order Absolutely. people to do it. I don't think his motive was as strong as some of the other potential candidates. Thank you, Chan. And uh, so you, do you think they were murdered? I think, I think they were probably murdered and, and disposed of by somebody, by somebody other. But from his point of, from Richard's point of view, he would not see them as a threat because he had parliamentary backup that they were illeg illegitimate and therefore could not be. That's an excellent point. Yeah. A I, mean, I didn't think he did it just for a gut feeling, but you've actually really solidified yes. my own opinion. 
Oh, the smug look on Will's face. Are you wavering? Right You're wavering. I like smoke? you, Jan, but I'm angry about this. <laughs> I'm angry. Uh, thanks, Jan. Right. Thanks. There is actually an interesting point with the the princes because the um, in Hen in Charles II's time mm -hmm. there was an uh, there was a some remains that were found at the tower under a staircase the two young that were put in an urn yeah. that's buried in Westminster Abbey and it has a, a tomb thing and he's buried in Westminster Abbey. If they were able to test the contents of that urn with modern DNA and they could just do it. They could they could tell certainly what age they were, what sex they were, but equally now they could make a direct DNA connection yeah, to Richard. But in order to test that and open that grave in the urn, they have to have permission from the Dean and Chapter for, of Westminster Abbey and from the reigning monarch. And they're just and in neither the of them will give permission to, for their exhumation because what? they don't think there is sufficient cause. Ooh, what are they covering? Theory. It's a lovely little courtyard between the museum and the cathedral, isn't it? There's a nice bit of cobble. Oh, there's the bells. Hear that? Two o'clock bells? Two o'clock bells. <laughs> lovely. It's a lovely sunny day, isn't it? It is. It's not like the most imposing cathedral from the outside, but it's quite friendly. Yes, I wonder how old it is, because it's got that look of one that's obviously imposing and big for a concept. But it's like 500 years old, like, oh yeah, of course it's not going to be. Yeah. You know. Okay, so we're going in through the doors. I do like the light that stained glass gives. Yeah, doppled, I'd call it. Would doppled. you have stained glass in your house? Um, <laughs> right. This is like. Do you think it's pretentious on no, a normal house? This is like the question. Um, like, if you found an envelope full of £10,000, what would you do? You know the answer is give it in, but when you're faced with it, you'd keep it. Let's be honest. So, so no, I wouldn't have stained glass. But if I kind of made a stained glass window, you better believe that every window in my house is stained. <laughs> and rather than like saints and Jesus, it'd be me and me. You would not have yourself. I mean, I'd have one. You would have yourself in a stained glass window in your house. <sighs> yeah. Well, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm no money, but was I money, I'd be new money. <laughs> so where are we going? We're going to a tomb. We're going to the tomb, the current tomb, so I might ask... Oh, so if... they only just moved him over the road then? Yeah, yeah, to a cathedral, I think. Oh, yeah, sure, OK. So here we are, um, the tomb of Richard III. So, um, very near to the deposited remains of Joseph Craddock. No idea who he is. I love that. Joseph Craddock, 17th of November 1689 to 20th of April 1759. Right, so he lived to 70 years old, or 69. Was important enough to get a marble statue in a cathedral. No idea who he is. Fascinating. What does that quote mean? Enough that virtue filled the space between... Provided. Provided by the ends of being to have been Pope. Enough. So, the space between provided would have been him. And he had enough virtue in himself that had he had um, ability, he could have been Pope. But he wasn't Pope, so he didn't have the ability to be Pope. No, but it's like, yeah, he had all the credentials. 
Except isn't this a Church of England place? So he wasn't Catholic. Isn't that like a main thing of being Pope? Yeah, but I don't know. That's like me going, yeah, you know, I could be Pope. And I imagine he, he would have been Catholic. Maybe it's a Catholic cathedral. I, I thought Catholic cathedrals were more incensey and more fancy than this. More fancy than this? Yeah. It's a cathedral. Yeah, but it's not a good one. Stained glass. It's yeah, Church but all England. churches have no, stained glass. No, Church of England is like... No, they have stained glass. I grew up C of E. Yeah, stained glass. How old is a cathedral? Yeah, like Wells, that's a C of E cathedral, How old is it? Old. If it's Reformation, if it's pre-Reformation, it would have been a Catholic cathedral. Oh, yeah, and then they just use it now. Newer. But is that pre-Reformation, 1759? No, yeah. that's post-Reformation. There's a guy who works here, let's ask him. There's a thing there for a, a guy who was buried here, and their quote says uh, that he had enough virtue in the space to have been Pope. Is this a Church of England cathedral or a Catholic cathedral? Church of England. So how, why, have they, why is the Pope being mentioned? What are we looking at? So I'll show you here. Because I said in my... Was it built in cathedral? Or is it a pre-Reformation cathedral that's been re... It wasn't a cathedral until 1927. Oh, right, But it's... There's been a church here since medieval times, so until the Reformation, it was Catholic. So, yes, the deposited remains of Joseph Craddock. But that refers to Alexander Pope, the poet, not the Pope. Oh, <laughs> there we go, different guy. Right, yes. well, that solves the Thank whole so argument much. we have. Right. Thank you so much. Right. right. Great Enough poet. that virtue filled the space between... Provided by the ends of being to have been. Pope. By not Pope, not Pope. to have oh. been Pope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. It's so. a quote from the poet Alexander Pope. <laughs> well, that solves uh, that small issue we were having there. No, we're leaving that in. So this is where Richard currently is. All five to eight of him in a big enough coffin. It's nice. I like the light marble. So the the um, slab that they're giving him, it's it's a lovely piece of marble with a cross cut through it, which is a nice like. It's limestone. Oh, it's limestone. We don't know anything. It's a lovely. It's it's lovely and not I, overstated. I like that you're surprised that it's nice. He was a king. No, but so I don't like. Some things can be a bit gaudy, can't they? Whereas that's not. It's very nice. He's. So he's not in there in order. Yeah. It's all laid down anatomically in this cup. Well, Apart from his feet, which were missing. His oh. feet were missing? Hey. Well, they weren't hmm. missing. The Victorians or somebody built a wall in the area and his feet... Eviscerated. Went with the wall. Yeah. Sorry, Your Highness. Well, that's going to be awkward when... When what? The Day of Judgment comes. Oh, probably equip him with a new set. Yeah. Yes. Or at the very least a wheelchair. Yes. Thank you very much. That is that. a lovely position. I'm kind of glad for him, because after talking to Jan, I now feel better about that maybe he wasn't such a murderer. I mean, obviously he was a bit of a murderer. He was a medieval king. He was, yes, OK. He was less of a murderer. But I feel sad that he was so squashed up, particularly for somebody with spinal pain. Being squashed up in a small grave must have been pretty horrible. And now I feel happy for him that he's stretched out in a lovely area. So it's a... It's like when I finally got a car that had cruise control and my knee stopped hurting all the time. That's how I think he must feel. So... 
Ja, ja. museum honestly listening back to that will you sounded like you were having the best time laura i was having the best time when i die bury me in that car park please yeah it was great and whilst going in pretty angry at richard the third i kind of came out liking him a bit more yeah i mean jan particularly who we spoke to at the burial site i think she was great because she provided the episode with a little bit of much needed <laughs> balance thanks jan Yes, and thank you to Jed the Just for terrifying Will. And also, uh, just the lovely people at the Richard III Museum for giving us some free tickets. Sweet, sweet free tickets. Now, before we leave you, it's time for the section we call, Yes, That's Obviously What We Meant. Yeah, uh, basically an audio apology to keep the Twitter know-it-alls at bay. So it's just the one that we're aware of this week, although we're sure you'll let us know if there are more. Yeah, uh, we weren't sure what the condition was that caused the curvature to King Richard III's spine. Well, it was adolescent idiopathic scoliosis. Yes, we did say scoliosis, but not being chiropractors, we didn't quite nail it. We didn't, but, you know, it's not too embarrassing. Maybe we are experts. Yes, well, the most embarrassing part in that episode was the Pope Alexander Pope's list, but wasn't it? No, right? No, you're just not engaging with that. Okay, well, never mind. Thank you for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did like it, please rate it and review it. I'm just going to keep talking so he can't interrupt me. Um, Thank you for the reviews you have left, by the way, particularly um, a couple of nice ones. I'll just read a couple here. Uh, Dark Sofal, thank you for your review on iTunes, says, I really enjoyed spending an hour wandering around Blenheim with Laura and Will, and I'm very much looking forward to the rest of the series. Um, I love that you giggled and laughed out loud more than once, so thank you for reviewing. And thank you, the Princess Goob, funny and lighthearted just what you need when you're stuck at home thanks for your reviews we'll get to more of them next week yeah uh, thank you in particular to uh, john d 36 having spent many weeks indoors it was a treat to get out for an hour lovely review uh, particularly as john d 36 is my father had it been a bad Aww. review well if it had been bad he'd have got a one-way ticket to switzerland for christmas uh, you've also been really good on Twitter as well. You can, of course, follow us. Don't tell us. them they've been really good. They're not school children. You've been really good on Twitter this week. You can have a Kit Kat. You've been really good at engaging with our posts on Twitter. No, it's not. Uh, you're talking like a social media manager, you dickhead. Just say thanks. I used to, for you know, I used, I used to be a social media manager. Yeah, you uh, can tell. You've been really good at engaging with us on Twitter. Fuck right. off, Will. Just say to them, it, you've been really Thanks for fun. talking. Thanks for talking to us on Twitter. You yeah, thanks for being Will's friend. He doesn't yeah, have he, real ones. If you thanks want, for listening. If you want to engage with us on social media, you can at Treasures Pod on Instagram and Twitter or send us an email on the Treasures Podcast at gmail.com. Abuya. Bye. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.